welcome back to Roll for Enterprise, the podcast described as the squishy heart at the center of Enterprise IT. This is going to be the last audio episode of this year. Uh, we will do one more episode, but that one's going to be textual because the scheduling just got completely away from us. And in fact, even this week, the Lilac couldn't make it, so it's uh, just the three guys you'll have to put up with, with us without Lilac's civilizing influence here. But hey, it's good to talk to the two of you. We might go crazy. There you go. No one to keep us in check. Yeah. There you yeah. Go. So we thought we'd do a little bit of a look back at uh, 2021 and the fun, fun year it was. Mike, you had some uh, initial thoughts on the themes of the year. Do you want to kick us off? I mean, it's year two of the pandemic. Uh, can I say that? Year two of the pandemic? Yeah. I don't know how long it's going to run, but okay. Year two of the pandemic. I think supply chain is what everybody's been talking about this year. And particularly in our industry, it's like been semiconductor, right? Can't get a hold of anything. Uh, and then just massive investment in the space. Um which I think is way overdue. Companies waking up. I don't know, Zach. What are your thoughts there? I think you're right. It's it's interesting. Everybody thinks it's going to slow down too, and I, I don't think so. Um, you know, let's let's think about where is you know even AI taking us. Uh, it's been a big year in the semiconductor space. ARM, what's going on there? Um, you know, so uh, yeah, I think it's um it's interesting, and, and I don't I don't see any slowdown. But I think everybody right now in that in that space is really trying to to solve their supply chain issues, and so let's see if those can get solved. But uh, yeah, this this thing's going to run a little bit longer, and uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Are we still hopeful about Intel and Intel turning around their fortunes? I mean, this was the year that Gensler came in, so... Look, it's going to take more than a year or two years. I think we've seen his vision, right, what he's doing in Arizona. And I think Mike has a great article that we'll share um, on Intel. But um, I think it's going to take some time. I mean, Intel took, took kind of a beating, but... But to be quite honest, are they in the right position? Are they still positioned right? If, uh, you know, again, a lot of people look into ARM for a lot of these, you know, uh, initiative, excuse me, IoT initiatives. Are they are they even in the right space right now? And, and then let's talk about what they did with, you know, Mobileye and some of the stuff they're doing there. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on that, Dominic? Well, I was going to say uh, Intel's problem doesn't seem to be in Arizona, more over by Washington State uh, around Seattle. Uh, it was a big theme at reInvent this year, just uh, Graviton here, Graviton there, Graviton 2, Graviton 3. And it was funny, reInvent last year, uh, which was fully remote, nobody was in Vegas. And Peter DeSantis' hardware keynote was sponsored by Intel. So we were all sitting at home and we got treated to a couple of minutes of Intel extravaganza. And Peter DeSantis walked out on stage and just proceeded to dump all over Intel. So Intel sucks, doesn't it? It's terrible. It's so slow. I looked at our Graviton stuff so fast. It's amazing. You love it. Um, they weren't quite so on the nose this year, also because Graviton 3 isn't actually available. But Intel was conspicuous by its absence uh, at reInvent, as they say. Uh, and so I think that's, uh, that's a big theme. I mean, it's... Um, this is one of those pendulum things that swings back and forth. I remember being a Mac kid in the 90s and having big arguments about risk versus KISC or CISC, however you choose to pronounce that. And I think the, the ARM architecture has comprehensively proven that, but maybe Intel thinks there's still uh, some life to be had. Uh, we'll see. But uh, right now, you kind of struggle to hear much good, uh, much future discussed for the x86 architecture. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough comeback. I, 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 I'm still like, how, how do we not see this coming? I mean, I, I don't think this was anything COVID induced, right? It's just like no one built capacity. No one like you, you got to be out there beating the drum. Innovation spent needs to be high in this area. And I don't know. NVIDIA is the only one who's really pushing it. And 
yeah, let's see. Apple still, you could order something and still get it in, in two weeks somehow mysteriously. So they're, they're the ones who have figured out all this. Uh, all this yeah, they throw uh, money at the problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you're the richest company in the world, I guess you can. So there you go. The year of chips is going to continue, it sounds like. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy that. I, I don't buy that everything will get resolved in 2022. I mean, there's a lot of people that are hopeful that it will, but I, I, don't, I, just, I just don't see it. I mean, the demand is so high, so... Yeah. yeah, I think some of the shine will come off uh, the Apple M1, M2 chip uh, because the M1 was just such a step change moving away from the Intel chips. And that's not going to happen again when we go M1, M2. It's going to be a much more gradual step up from then on. Uh, and so I do wonder whether we'll see a little bit of a pushback, a little bit of a disillusionment among people who haven't been following this that closely and just expect another massive step upwards. Uh, around September time when Apple comes out with uh, the new chips, or, you know, whenever it is at this point, all bets are off. Um, that that would be, from the Apple perspective, uh, something I would be concerned about and thinking about how to message or leak, uh, doing uh, inverted commas around that, uh, some information around that to kind of prepare expectations. And really quick, the impact on this is just so wide and broad. Uh, we, you know, we are... Um... In the throes or on the back end, I should say, of a large renovation. And, you know, we ordered a refrigerator, for example, that uses a chip uh, back in August. And now it's pushed out to June. You think about that. And then you think about, you know, everything outside of our world, right? You know, from automobiles on down. This is just such a broad, sweeping, uh, uh, you know, and even national security, right? We can get into that. So this is this is something to watch. This is something to watch. Yeah, logistics are still messed up. Uh, I've mentioned on the podcast before, I'm trying to buy a mountain bike and I'm basically, you know, fry uh, waving a fistful of dollars and going, shut up and take my money. Uh, and my local bike shop guys, I, I literally can't. I don't have bikes to give you. Uh, he hopes to have bikes sometime in the late spring, early summer that he can actually sell. Uh, they're all messed up. You know, either the, the bikes are in the wrong place or the containers to put the bikes in are in the wrong place. So the bikes are sitting around in the factories or the materials to make the bikes and I uh, haven't made it to the factories. The whole supply chain is just snarled up still. Yeah. I, I, I guess you're looking at a carbon fiber frame and you're probably one of those high end bike people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because this is my step up bike. I didn't the basic entry level bike and now I know what I'm, what I want a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, components are all month long delivery dates. Uh, yeah, and quality carbon fiber, again, that's um, national interest. So if, depending where you're sourcing it from military and, and yeah, government will get the first dibs. So it's really hard if, if you need to source that. Yeah. Don't go buy a high end sports car. I'll remember that. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're all buying like, you know, carbon fiber cars. So who knows? I've got uh, this little Porsche. It's got no, no metal in it at all. Uh, slight detail is it's made of Lego and it sits on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But uh, okay. So Semiconductor shortages and other types of logistics issues set to continue. Uh, something else that we've been talking about recently that I think it's a pretty safe bet is going to continue and probably out to the ultimate heat death of the universe. As long as there are computers, there will be outages of those computers, uh, especially as long as fallible human beings uh, are in charge of them. Just the level of complexity that we built into these things and how much we rely on them. And it's got to a level that I think it's unavoidable that we'll have many more stories of the big outage in 2022 uh, and possibly 
including US East one <laughs> again, but that was, um, it was a theme in uh, 2021 in the 2020 and in 2019. It's just one of those constants. I think, I don't think we'll ever get away from it. You, you know, what's, uh, what's striking is, um, the companies used to have ransomware attacks and we've become a bit immune, like not immune to it, but like, it's not a big deal anymore. And I think outages will. Yeah. We've culled to the herd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think the same is going to happen with, uh, with outages. I mean, you know, there's been some, some pretty major ransomware attacks this year, right? Look at colonial pipeline, you know, that, that affected, um, the part of the world here where we live. Uh, there's been a lot of hospitals, a lot of, uh, cities that have, and and you know you you start to become immune to it um to the point now where yeah so the outages I, I think the same thing like there's a lot of noise around them uh but people seem to brush it off so it's just kind of uh continuing um is the way i i i see it happening um yeah i i don't think it's going to become a big deal so much in the future uh, unless it starts to really impact other companies and the companies put pressure on like the Amazons and, and the big cloud players, Microsoft, Google. Zach, your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I yes, it's interesting that we're becoming so, um, they're becoming so acceptable, but it depends on the outages. I mean, are they going to start to become more, you know, um, security related incidents? I mean, that will create these outages right now where we're saying, okay, these outages from you know, the way something was architected or you know, DNS outage or whatever, right? But um, yeah, I think, I don't think they should be accepted, uh, not with everything we've been talking about the last couple of years. I mean, Dominic, you know this, whatever happened to all this, you know, AI ops talk and all this, you know, stuff that we can, uh, you know, get predictive and do all this good stuff. It makes me wonder, you know, um, yeah, so yeah, year of outages, uh, will they continue? Surely they will. Will we start to see more or hear about more data breaches, you know, in these cloud environments? You know, we'll see. Yeah, that's a whole other factor. Uh, but uh, I remember there was a science fiction novel, I think it was from the 80s even, uh, late 80s, early 90s, somewhere in there, uh, called Fearsome Engine. And one of the aspects of that, as I think is relevant to this discussion, uh, there's a, a virtual reality there that some of the characters spend part of their time in. And it runs faster than real time, but only only by a small amount. And at one point, it's explained that actually it would run much, much faster than real time, but it's just got layers and layers and layers of error correction and fault prevention and malware protection. And there's a whole ecosystem of viruses and whatnot living down in the bowels uh, of this thing. And so it's it's actually running at this hobbled speed to accommodate that. And I think that's what we're heading for, where all of our amazing, super fast ARM chips uh, and our gigabit or 10 gigabits network links are all saturated with uh, trying to, to keep the whole stack of cards from toppling over as soon as someone looks at it funny. I think what's like, uh, you know, two two areas where I think we need to recognize kind of IT competence is like security. Security will continue to uh, to be top of mind. And then the architects or like the, the people are really integrating products together. I mean... I think their job has become much more complex. I mean, people are not going full stack with one company versus another. Everybody's choosing like best of breed products in this world. So yeah, that architecture, all these components like you were talking about, Dom, I mean, it's going to continue to be a real struggle and a real complex environment. So I don't know, we went from a place where we started to design, uh, you know, less 
less complexity in systems where now it's like maximum complexity and it continues to go that way, right? Just look at all the new products being released, all the new features being released by these cloud providers. I mean, it's just going to continue to get more and more and more complex. And I, I think because of that, some of these these architect roles are going to become uh, much more critical because, I mean, you got architects by name, but then you have the really good ones. And I think, yeah, I, I don't even want to call them architects anymore. You know, they're they're a level above some of these people. Yeah, I'll have to come up with a new name. And just excuse me for a moment. I'm going to go like the Zach signal uh, because now we're going to talk about no code and low code. Uh, I think that's going to be how we fill that gap when you can't get enough, you know, super, super architects or whatever we decide to call them. And you need to fill that gap somehow and plugging these components together in a much more plug and play fashion. That's a trend that I think started uh, to really uh, get get some steam uh, up this year. Uh, and I think that's one that's going to, to accelerate into, into next year uh, as we start to do exactly what I said that um, the space needed as we start to integrate it more with the more traditional ways of engineering software. And the problem with no codes and low codes in the past has always been that it was disconnected. It was this, uh, you know, Fisher-Price uh, connect the color to blocks together, but it had no relation to enterprise standards of backup and audit and logging and security and, and, and. And we started to see a whole slew of frameworks emerge that actually are integrated in those backends that do respect those standards that give the sort of uh, visibility and observability that people need to be able to trust their business logic uh, to these systems. Uh, I think that's going to going to be a big one. So Zach, go, it's your turn. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, I, yeah, when I think architect, by the way, I think more, um, not really as much on the software side, I think more of the, you know, um, you know, uh, interconnecting a lot of the um, traditional infrastructure and, and um, things like that. But yeah, I think um, we've been saying this for a while, but it's going to take some standardization. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't foresee, you know, GCP, you know, and Azure and AWS. And I, I think it's just, it's always going to be what it is. And that's going to be a challenge for, for customers. And so I don't know, do they end up going not away from multi-cloud? I mean, maybe this is a, a theme going forward, but you know, it's, you know, we call it multi-cloud. Now I think Gartner calls it something else, but I just, I just, you know, maybe that is too complex. Maybe it's like, look, you know, we, we, we look at SaaS and, Maybe we're gonna, you know, work with a particular cloud vendor. I, I don't know. Maybe multi-cloud is, is becoming problematic. Is that right? Maybe I don't know. Um, but then again, AWS to me is nothing more than just computers in 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 the skies for everybody to connect to. I don't think there's. I'm sorry, I keep saying this. I don't think they're solving problems everybody thinks they're solving. I mean, I wonder are they creating problems? I mean, I, I don't know. And then um, I struggle with AWS on many fronts. But uh, yeah, so I, you know. Um, Yes, on the architecture, I think more on the, for me at least, not as much on the software programming side, but maybe more so on the focusing on architecting your cloud environment to your environment. I think that focus has to be what, you know, these IT initiatives are. And I'll kind of flip this to Mike because I think this is when people have to start getting outside their comfort zone and getting outside of their, I don't know if we still call them IT departments as much as we used to, but getting outside of that world and, and really figuring out what cloud provider maybe can solve most of my problems and then just thinking about how we uh, solve those problems differently instead of just multi-cloud, multi-cloud means all the clouds because they all offer something. So I, I don't know. That's, I'm, I feel like I was all over the place there, but I know what I'm trying to articulate. 
So let me let me put it let me try to put it this way, right? The days of like um, developers demanding requirements from different groups in organization are coming to an end because I exactly. think the developers are going to need to start sitting with the businesses and hashing out the best way forward, not based on requirements but based on an end goal. And I think that's starting to change. You know, we can also take kind of the the agile movement in organizations. It, it's all changing. I think the time will come, you, you know, and I, I hate to say this, but I think there's certain hardcore developers have like this, um, yeah, I don't know. They look down on a lot of this no-code, low-code uh, movement, right? But I think we need to stop using at some point the no-code, low-code um, moniker and, and just start calling those people who use those tools developers because that's what they honestly are and then maybe you need yeah a more advanced developer if you need to do something more advanced that yeah low code no code doesn't offer but it's not really low code no code it's just less code that's that's what it really is right because these these people who learn no code low code will eventually go into certain aspects of code at a point in time so you know how you do this people need to understand a lot more And, and this is where like the IT job is becoming almost everybody's job. And if you look at security and everywhere, I, I think everybody needs to have this top of mind. So, you know, we say like IT needs to get educated, but I think it's a lot more like business people need to get educated or your business will be, you know, you're going to stay an analog business and die. I mean, that's ultimately it. I mean, that's how that's how I see it progressing. And I think I think that will be more the case for some of the more advanced companies that are that are thinking about this. Well, hundred percent, yeah, and I think twenty twenty one has shown us that uh, starting to take place as companies have become have realized their reliance on IT with everyone working from home and reliant on on Zoom and on good connectivity and on shared documents and 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 just to get business done, and so a level of familiarity with all of that is. Uh, also become much more expected even from line of business people you can't get away with being you know the star salesperson who prints out their slides to take with them you're expected to be competent and cognizant of what the tools can do for you and there's a lot more to it as well you know there's a and uh, we were doing an audit of the number of tools that uh, that we use in our sales force. I'm not going to say the number because it may be privileged in some way, but it was a very large <laughs> number. Uh, and so there's uh, the actual CRM, the content management tool is still the heart, but there's a whole galaxy of stuff orbiting around that, uh, managing the the relationship with uh, with customers and the progress of sales opportunities and all of that, augmenting the capabilities uh, of people. And these are not the sorts of hardcore technical tools that uh, developers, people that reinvent, get all excited about, but they're running huge chunks of business. And uh, I think that is starting to be recognized on both sides, both in the traditional IT and uh, what we used to call line of business. I think uh, one of the one of the crazy parts there is like, y- you know, people do assessments all the time and they see all these tools. And, and, and the first, like, the first thought that always goes through like an IT department's head is like, oh my God, we need to reduce this. But I, I don't like, you know, and maybe a few years ago, I would have said like, let's reduce it. And as long as the common core, like from a, a sales side is like, okay, your CRM, the, the rest of these ancillary tools they use, yeah, I mean, who, who cares? Who cares? Right. Is it Let providing value it. to someone? Yeah. 
Yeah, then go for it. I mean, are, are you some security standards? They pass audits. You're not doing something silly. Fine. Yeah, and you, yeah, and you don't want to handicap your your sales organization. I mean, that's the last thing you want to do, right? So, you know, there and and there, I think you know, and this like now maybe we'll, we'll move into like this labor shortage issue that's that's happened in in 2021. But I mean, you you may look at like if you reduce those tools, you may look at pissing off somebody. Uh, it's pretty important to your organization, and like. Hey, they're just like one decision away from leaving your org, and that's kind of the scary part for for all these companies right now. So, I, I don't know. I, I think the the thinking around this is starting to slowly change. It's not quite there yet, but it's it's starting to. Yeah. Didn't Airtable just raise like a, a huge amount of money? And and to be honest, like for me, when I think Airtable, like the people I've seen really using Airtable have always been salespeople. Uh, yeah. Like sh- shockingly enough, Airtable is used by by salespeople. I don't know how they built that niche. I don't know how they how they got that that kind of footprint. But yeah, hats off to them for for making that happen. Because I've never seen anybody other than salespeople using it. To be honest, I know it's all the stuff that used to be spreadsheets emailed around a decade ago. It was Excel documents and there were macros and them doing calculations and whatnot. And now all of that stuff is in Airtable. And maybe a salesperson thinks differently and they just figured out how to uh, tap into that way of thinking and, and boom, you got something that's uh, kind of special there. So it's uh, it's very surprising. So, yeah. Well, I mean, think about salespeople. I mean, that, that role itself is changing too, but that's probably another, another discussion. But, uh, you know, we talk about the business and who they're selling to and what they're trying to sell. I mean, that's, that's changing drastically. So it's, it's, it's all, it's all changing quickly. You know, Zach, it's like the box movers have never become more commoditized than they are now. I mean, just yep. incredibly crazy how how box movers like some orgs won't even talk to box movers anymore. It's oh yeah, I would not want to be working in the VAR space right now. <laughs> no, no. no. Uh, all right, I'm gonna keep quiet. We're gonna. Go <laughs> Jeez, uh, sorry, Zach. Sorry, Zach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Don't be sorry. I I'm just gonna keep quiet. Yeah, yeah, no, but but it's 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 totally true, right? I mean, yes. everybody's looking yes. for services, and you know, the issue is not the compute I'm putting in front of people from an enterprise. It's it's like, hey, what services like to? Yeah, I I don't want to, you know, it's hard enough to get people. Like, what kind of services can you offer me that? Yeah, I I don't have to, you know, I can I I can get some work done without so many people. I think that's the real question that companies are are starting to ask yeah and uh that's also uh speaking to some other trends that we've seen over this year the great resignation and just the the change in the relationship between employees and companies uh the the cycle of shutdown reopen shutdown reopen everybody home everyone back to the office uh i think that broke a lot of trust in 2020 and in 2021 we saw that uh, that trend play out to uh, to the final extent. So the companies that were able to to enable and to take advantage uh, of that and to set people up for success, they reaped that success themselves. And the companies that did not, they found that their employees suddenly had a whole bunch of options uh, that maybe they didn't have before. Uh, when you don't even have to walk down the streets to get a new job, you just have to fire up a different Zoom account. And you're doing a different job for a chunk more money. Uh, it suddenly changes a, a lot of dynamics. Uh, and I think that's a, a, that's a very healthy rebalancing for the most part uh, that's, uh, that's occurred. I'm impressed with the amount of people that I've seen over the past year who have said, like, you know what, I'm 
I'm calling it quits. I'm retiring. Um, yes. Yes. You, you know, the, the people who have reevaluated things and just like re, you know, and it's different ages too, just reevaluated life and, and taking it back. And I, I think for the first time, the power is not with companies, but with people. Uh, so I think if you're not treating your, your employees right now, um, yeah, you're going to be in a, in a world of hurt real fast. Right. So, uh, I think this is, and, and that's a theme that I, I believe will continue to be honest. We've probably seen the first part of the great resignation over, um, 2021, but now comes the holiday period. People will get together. And I think as families get together, they'll hear stories about people who have changed jobs, how happy they are. No one changes jobs and says they're not happy. <laughs> and and then that will lead to another kind of these people who are still unhappy will start to look for other opportunities. So I think this will this will continue. I, I don't know how companies stop the bleeding, right? I, I think that's like the, the increases this year, I think that companies are going to give are probably going to be the biggest that we've seen. And it's not only because it of the be, great resignation, but yeah, massive inflation. Offers. Yeah. Yeah. Massive offers, massive inflation. And you know what? Inflation comes to the job market too. So yeah, he, here you go, you know? And yeah. W would you, I mean, would you be doing your job? Uh, I mean, if you could do the same job and get like 20, 30% more money, I mean, everybody's going to listen to that. So yeah, it's, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, it, it is. And I, I, you're right, by the way, Mike, I've had several people retired in the last few months. And I think you and I know one of them, I'm sure he's reached out to you as well. It's, um, yeah, it makes you think. It opens your eyes a little bit. But I think part of that, too, is the fact that this is changing. We just spoke about that, right? That this selling has changed, the selling model has changed, what you're selling has changed. You know, we, and I was a part of this generation, right? From the, we can call them box pushers, right? I mean, it's it's changed and it's shifted for a lot of people. And um, it's, you know, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it has been an interesting year and the year before that as well. And I really, really devoutly hope that uh, 2022 will be boring. I, I could use some boring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Although The Economist, um, there was a hilarious moment. The Economist elected Italy its uh, country of the year. Uh, and this was described in many circles as uh, being due to Italy's politics having taken a decided turn to the boring. Uh, which is very true and very welcome. Uh, we would like a whole lot more boring, <laughs> I think, in our lives. Uh, I'm too old for excitement. I, I want the news to be very unexciting. Wow, uh, there you go. I did not know that. I mean, <laughs> I think Boris might have something to say about that. I think the US <laughs> might have something. Oh, too that. soon. <laughs> yeah. No, 2021, what else has been going on? I mean, those, those are kind of the the big themes. There have been these kind of macro themes. I want to go back to something that uh, the two of you were saying before, just because it's something I've been kind of knocking around in my head. And one of the things I do on this podcast is try to articulate ideas that then may or may not also make it out into my blog, which I finally started writing on again. This was something that we saw sort of reinvent with the multi-cloud is just the frustration that people felt with the, the endless cavalcade of services and wanting primitives from their cloud providers. And as you said, Zach, the, the, the clouds and especially, you know, Amazon has been amazing at providing primitives less amazing, I think everyone would agree, are providing services built on top of those primitives. But what they've done is they've enabled an ecosystem of people who've built the things one level up and then another level on top of that and so on and so forth. And that's what we'll see. That's what we, I think we started to see something this year that we'll see build further in the future 
is people moving that conversation around multi-cloud from, you know, I need to have the exact same things from uh, all of these different providers, which never works particularly well, to I'm going to build something that takes advantage of the best of all of those and consume that as one level up the stack and not interacting at all uh, with the individual primitives, letting something else act as my cutout there. And I think that's been uh, a very interesting move coming out of, of reInvent that they didn't announce a whole set of new services. They doubled down on many of those primitives and just iterated them and evolved them. And Amazon, as usual, uh, is thinking very hard about these market trends and what they see. And I would not discount uh, their conclusions. You know, I, I think AWS is listening to the wrong people. I, I think the cavalcade of features to make things easier, I, I think they, they're going to need to continue with that. And, and they have taken a, a, um, a turn the other way, but I think it might think be a so? mistake. When, when Adam yeah. Solipsky said in his keynote, you asked for this, the reaction in the room was not raucous applause. It was... It wasn't quite booze, but it was definitely uh, an air of disappointment in the keynote hall. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't. Um, yeah, but again, like, who's attending? Like, who, who's attending? Yes, exactly. You know, it, like reinvent and you know, I and this is where I think Amazon will have a like, where did my cheese go moment? Where when when they realize that that Azure Azure has really kind of taken off and started to to really creep away at or chip away at their at their market share because i think right now i i don't even think they care about about revenue numbers or growth numbers as much as they do about market share and i think right now they're all three are fighting for for market share regardless of what the cost is yeah because it's not zero sum it's a growing market yeah yeah and it's still still the early days right so but both of my sons, of you know, they're they're working their way into IT, and they said, you know, what, what do you think I should do from a certification certification perspective? No, no. could you not and, find and, them a more honorable yeah, exactly, profession, right? Exactly. Drug to elementary school students. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But my advice was stay away from AWS. Right. If you're going to look at the cloud, focus on Google and focus on Microsoft. That was my advice, and it's simply because I, I you know, I, I first of all, I think Mike is completely correct. Like, who is tend- Who is attending? Um, without giving names of accounts, I mean, and I'm sure this has happened across the board. There were some. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk healthcare, and I'm not going to get into detail. But there was a big healthcare conference that week, right, uh, up in Chicago, one of the largest ones. It's called um, RSNA, and uh, my wife attends that one. And it's a lot of all the radiologists globally, right, go there and attend. They, now this year it was virtual as well as on site. And so you think about it, and and some of these organizations. Or people, they were split, right? Some go to AWS and, and the doctors, why are you going there, right? That's not our core business, right? So I I say that because, I, Mike, it touches on what you said earlier. What's going on with IT? What is IT? You know, who is IT? Dominic, you said it well, too. Everybody is now. Everybody's becoming the uh, the IT person. There's something going on here, and I, I don't know. I don't know if um, – I'm not bought into what AWS is doing. I, I've always felt like they were a nail looking for a hammer. Um, you know, they were trying to make, you know, cloud computing very sexy and, oh, look at, we're doing all this great stuff and you just touched on it and people are trying to build it. It has to put on a new ecosystem. Absolutely. Yeah. Famously, their product strategy is yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Mike, I mean, what are your thoughts, Mike? I mean, Mike, you, you sit in the business, right? Let's say that, you know, 
your business isn't so hung up on trying to attend an AWS reInvent conference, right? I mean, they're focused on their core business and then how they can help them. But what, what, are, you, what are your thoughts, Mike? I mean, should, don't you think AWS should be at these other events just as much as, I mean, having their own? We are a, a Microsoft shopper, I am, right? And, and where we struggle is like there's, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's stuff in all clouds, but to be honest, like the vol, the sheer volume is in in Azure. But again, like industry matters, right? Where uh, an old industrial, um, and yeah, industry does matter. So I, I don't know that AWS speaks to us as well as, as as Microsoft does, and and I think a lot of people are starting to to realize that. And as you move up the chain and the business value chain, I mean, hey, there's a reason AWS brought out like some of these old school businesses. To yeah, it was all it's all business guests in the it, keynote. It, it, and uh, look at look at Oracle. Just yesterday, Oracle bought Cerner, Cerner and they're yeah, buying yeah, the business. Yes, Thirty yes. billion dollars with a B. Sooner or later, you're talking about real money. Yeah, yeah. So I think what's happening at AWS is they're starting to realize, like, okay, you know, this current like these fans we've built like and, and they're fans like they like some of these customers they have probably have amazon and aws tattoos uh, on them right i mean they and bleed places you would not want to see yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> they bleed amazon right but now if they want to substantially grow they need to attract a whole different audience uh, and I think the current developers they have are not going to like it, right? So, like, how do you do that without alienating these people? And I, I mean, it's uh, it's probably like a real a real challenge inside. Where I think Microsoft almost like they're almost at a point where they really can't do any wrong. And Google's just a scrappier one, right? I mean, they're just looking for. You know, they, they have they have data, you know, they, they'll have a data discussion with you and you feel filthy after. So, but let's yeah. That there. <laughs> yeah, Microsoft has gone through the pain of reinvention. Amazon hasn't had to deal with that yet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so I think uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting year in cloud too. Like, don't get me wrong, but um, I, I, I think it's yeah, market share. I think uh, Azure will continue to, to chop away at AWS and Google will continue to uh, scrap, uh, scrap it at, um, at the leftovers. I mean, that's, that's the way I see it. It really quick before I know we're coming up on the, uh, the time here, but we haven't really spoken about M and I mean, there hasn't been a lot of M and A there's been some, you mentioned Oracle. I mean, just really quick around the horn, you know, one of you just, just started off. What, what do we think about M and I mean, I thought there'd be more personally. I haven't seen as much, especially, Maybe it's yeah. valuations going up, which is good and bad, right? Depending yeah, on the valuation. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. They're they're scared shitless of uh, of um, of antitrust. Yeah, I mean that's why it's not happening. And there's been a lot of M and A activity. Uh, it's just been a couple of rungs down. It's been smaller companies, either smaller companies buying other smaller companies that, that don't. Yeah, it's stuff that doesn't make the news. Below stuff the that radar. Doesn't make the news. Yeah. yeah. But I do think the Oracle Cerner thing might have sounded the starting gun in. Uh, these big vendors buying up verticals and like I said, moving beyond supplying primitives to supplying everything in a box. And Oracle is one of the best places to do that. Microsoft is another that I would not be surprised to see doing more in that vein. It's going to become a real problem. You know why? Because all these some of these companies have exit strategies that involve like, you know, they're probably better off selling to an AWS or better off selling to a Microsoft or whoever. But, you know, now what's going to end up happening is Microsoft, Amazon or Google may decide to let's copy and these guys, they get destroyed. Right. I mean, you know, this antitrust fear is, is having a negative, a further negative impact on on everything happening in, in, in the industry.
Yeah. So, well, Oracle's trying to keep up with AWS a little bit here too. I mean, yeah, the acquisition of Cerner is a, kind of an interesting um, way of approaching that. It's, it's really interesting in a lot of ways. But uh, you know, look, AWS been pushing in healthcare, right? They're trying to push to move things off into AWS, and because of you know, um, at least in the U.S., right? You know, um, a lot of regulations are going to make that difficult. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, what is what are we? But what are we saying ultimately, right? We're they're they're going right after the heart of the business. I mean. Acquiring Cerner for Oracle means they're not going to be speaking to true IT people. They're speaking to doctors. This goes back to what we, all this is tying together quite well, to be quite honest, on this podcast. I mean, you know, now Oracle, they're going to have sales reps. They're not going to go there and say, can I speak to your IT director of, you know, whatever the, you know, <laughs> data center? Or no, no, they're not. They're going to be speaking to their, their healthcare professionals. And, and it goes back to what I said, you know, with AWS reInvent, the same week as the largest radiologist conference in the world, RSNA. Let's let's get over yourself, you know, AWS and even some other organizations, and maybe that's it. Maybe Satya has a is a little more humble than AWS, and he says, "Look, it's not about me because look, Microsoft's not as bold. It's not about me. It's about you. Let me sit down with you." And this is what Cisco did early on. We can talk about hardware vendors, but early on, John Chambers would sit down with Boeing in the early days. What yeah, do you he was good at he, that. Yes, he literally made an acquisition. He made an acquisition based on what Boeing needed at that time. It was a big acquisition. But my point in saying that is, you know, when you know, I think Satya approaches these things differently. So now it's going to start coming down to the leadership in these cloud companies and these other uh, technology organizations or technology companies, excuse me. And so it's going to be very interesting, right? So you know, my money's on Satya when it comes to this, his approach in the marketplace, how he's approached it, he's solving the problems because he's listening to them. I'm not saying AWS isn't listening. But with AWS, I feel like it's hurricane. It's like this, maybe I shouldn't say that, right, with what's going on. But it's like this big, they come in, they shake everything up, they throw it around the room like, yeah, we're here. We got 50 new products. Yeah, we're going to do something. We don't know what, but we're going to do it. Uh, I'm, off my, I'm off my soapbox, but that's. Amazon, Amazon, AWS is the new Oracle, and that should be scary. I mean, Oracle still thinks yeah, they're a cloud company. It. Yeah, I oh, that's it, cute. And I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> that, Ar- uh, that Oracle thinks they're a cloud company? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. They, they, yeah. They, okay. We they have a lot of here. money they'll get there. We'll, we'll figure it out. But yeah, so that's been our 2021 year in review. Like we said, there will be one more episode this year. You just won't find it in your podcast feed. Look on our social channels. We'll publish it there. It'll be text only because that's the way the cookie crumbles. And we will talk to you again in January. Stay safe over the holidays. Uh, don't eat too much, just you know the right amount. And uh, we will talk to you all then. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at Roll4Enterprise with the number four or on our LinkedIn page. The theme music is by my good friend Renato Podesta. And please do send us suggestions for topics and or guests for future episodes in 2021 or as we Enterprise IT people say, FY23. <laughs> have a good one, people. Thank you. Yeah, have, a, have, have a safe holiday weekend. Thank you, everyone.